Thanks for being here. It's good to see you. We have uh, Kyle right there in the fancy red shoes. Kyle and his wife were part of us for many, many years, way back when we were a church in Midtown. And now they live in New Hampshire. And uh, for work reasons, he's here. So, man, it's good to see him. Fellow Yankee fan. So, right? The Yankees have to sign one of the greatest, had to trade for one of the greatest players of, of, of our current game in order for him to take the time to come out to Tucson. So, hey, it was worth it. Worth it already. All right, so uh, settle in and enjoy as we talk about a story that you've seen before, but we're going to talk about obedience, which is a word we don't care for. But here's the challenge. Every relationship requires obedience, even if we use different words, defer, negotiate, comply, conform in your personal relationships, in your wider friendships, the way it works here. We have to follow some rules. You have house rules, and you don't know what your house rules are until somebody shows up for three days and they won't leave. Can I get an amen? Then you realize, oh, yeah, that's, you're not doing it right. We have grandma coming in a couple of weeks, and, uh, and grandma doesn't do it right. She, uh, she doesn't know the house rules, and I really enjoy our 8-year-old especially pointing that out to her. It really warms my heart. One of the things she says is, Grandma, around here, we're nice to Daddy. So that's, my mother-in-law doesn't, doesn't compete with her at all. But rules, even at work, when you show up, what you do, how, in the movie Elf, one of the greatest Christmas movies of all time, what is the quota, what is the daily quota for Etch-A-Sketches? That's it, the teenagers, they're the only ones that know this? All right, what is, say it loud. Thousand etch a sketches a day. The elf, you know, came a little short of that. That's why he had to move to New York, as it happens. What uh, what is the the ribbon curls? How long are they supposed to be at the department store? Six inches, girlfriend. Yeah, right. We have to have rules in order for the relationship to work. Driving a car, you have to follow the rules within the general realm of the speed limit. But it's really important to stay on your side of the road. Otherwise, it doesn't work. Are the rules the point of the road? No, but the rules of the road are the way the road works because the goal when you get in your car is to get someplace. And if someone's over the line or going too fast or too slow, running red lights, that would never happen in Tucson. It doesn't work. So the rules aren't the point, but the rules are important to make the relationship work. Obedience, the old wedding vows. So I've been a minister for a long time now. The old wedding vows, they were phasing out. People were doing their own vows by the time I came along 30 years ago. But the old wedding vows were to honor and obey. And then that always led to a discussion. And the discussion always ended with, or got to the point of, without the rules, the relationship doesn't work. If you're in a close relationship, with someone, and you decide, yeah, I'll sleep somewhere else tonight. No, you're no longer in a close personal relationship without a lot of work. The rules aren't the point of the relationship. It's the rules that make the relationship work, and that takes us, oddly, right to Christmas. Obedience. There are things we do because it's important to the other person, and because that person's important to us, then that's what we do. 
So now we get to, to uh, Mary, the surprise teen teenager, gets an angel visit. Now, you've, you've probably heard the story before. I want to see if we can put ourselves in the story because our goal this Christmas is to not miss Christmas. It's busy and it's active and it's expensive and we can miss Christmas. So let's go back. Dr. Luke is writing this for us. Dr. Luke was not there. There's the Old Testament, the New Testament, the Old Covenant with God's people, the New Covenant with God's people, the Old Promise, the New Promise, and the Old Covenant was you got to follow the rules. That's how we have a relationship. And Jesus said, no, I've fulfilled the rules. We get to follow the rules because we want Jesus. We want the relationship with Jesus, so we get to follow the rules. We're right there at the, at the beginning of the Old and the New Testament, the Old Testament ending, the New Testament beginning. We get the four books of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Matthew was in Jesus' small group. John was in Jesus' small group. Mark seems to have be there at the end and telling us the stories as Peter told them, part of Jesus' small group. But Dr. Luke didn't get any of this until Jesus had was born, lived, died, alive again, went back to heaven, then met the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus, blinded by the light. And it was when Paul was talking about Jesus that Luke heard him and said, huh, I think I believe this Jesus stuff. And then Luke's personality, he went back and he interviewed the eyewitnesses. He wanted to know if it was real. And when he was convinced it was real, he wrote it down for us. That's Dr. Luke, the book of Luke. That's why we have the baby stories, because mom remembers the details of the birth. Dad has a general idea of how many kids there are in the house. But mom's got the baby story details, so here we go. And, and Luke always put a time stamp on stuff. If you're telling somebody something that happened, a factual, you put the timestamp in. This isn't once upon a time. So in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, we'll get to that later. The promise has been since the third page of the first book of the Bible, there's going to be a Savior born to a woman. And here it is. God sent the angel Gabriel of Nazareth, a village in Galilee, the uh, Mediterranean Sea, the sideways U, it's right there. A place, the prophet Micah said, the Savior would be born 700 years before this. Last week, kept it tight and compact. Go back and listen to last week as we talked about the, the prophecy. 700 years before, well, starting with the third page of the Bible, through 700 years before, Jesus fulfilled all those prophecies, and now he's here. And not everybody appreciated it, just like now to a virgin named Mary. And we say, well, we got to talk about bedroom choices, but it's part of the unique sign that Isaiah and the gang, we talked about last week, it's the prophecy. That's what makes this really unique. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Engaged to be married. It's a whole process back then, 2,000 years ago. The way it worked was... You got engaged, and it was a year-long engagement. And in order to break that off, you had to go through a legal process, like a divorce. You didn't get all the fun of being married, if you know what I say in fellas, but you had the commitment. And then you had a week-long wedding, and then you were married. So they're in the engagement process, but it's not like an engagement now where we discuss, well, if you break it off, does she give the ring back? This was a whole legal thing. So... She was engaged to be married to a descendant of King David. The prophecy was it would be a descendant of King David from Bethlehem who would be born to a virgin, and Jesus just clicking these off. 
Verse 28, Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Now that's the promise. We want the promise to be everything's going to be great. The promise is it's going to be a challenge down here on the battlefield of good and evil for your whole life, but you're not going to be alone. God is with you. Emmanuel, God with us. We are not just spinning on a planet in the middle of the vast universe on our own. God is with us. Our lifetime is still lived on that battlefield. The promise is God wins. And in the middle, we're not alone. Verse 29, one of the greatest verses in the Bible. If you grew up Catholic, you have sainted Mother Mary. If you didn't grow up in church at all, you've at least heard about Mother Mary. People seem to be really impressed with her. We can sometimes do this to people where we make them be perfect. Mary wasn't perfect. Jesus was perfect. So look at this. The angel shows up to Mary. She knows these promises. She's learned them in school. She's heard them at church in the tabernacle. Then the angel shows up and says, Tag, it's you. And Mary, confused and disturbed, isn't that the way we think if the angel shows up, it's going to be a little cute little one? You know, we've seen him at Hobby Lobby. We know what an angel is supposed to look like. The angel shows up with this news. The prophecy is coming through you right now, confused and disturbed. If, uh, you're, if most of your time with God doesn't involve, if some of your time with God doesn't involve confused and disturbed, we might not be paying attention. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. What are you talking about? Why are we still talking about Mary 2,000 years later? Because the promise is not what we want. It's not what we were expecting. It's not what Mary was expecting. If you have an angel show up, I don't know exactly what angels look like, but their opening line is always, do not be afraid. We're about to get to that opening line. Elf school. The best way, right? Angel school, you got to start with the opening line, do not be afraid. Because there's something about angels is not cuddly. So she thinks the promise is going to happen, but not with her. Why would it be her? Why would she be that involved? We think the promise should be about comfort, and there's nothing comfortable about this. So verse 30, the angel gets to the opening line of the angel. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. For you have found favor with God. Yeah, you called me favored woman. You already said that. Why the repeat? And the repeat is, we might have missed it the first time, the profound thought that Mary told Luke, that Luke wrote down for us, is that God likes you. Is he done with you? No. Does he think, perfect, just keep doing what you're doing, everything's going to be great? No. But that the God of the universe likes you. May have been a shock to your parents, but not to God. God created you on purpose the way that you are, the way that I am, God likes us. Now he's calling us to better, but he likes us. Verse 31, you, the angel talking, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. Great, we're getting married. That's perfect. That's, uh, that's what Mary learns in school, going to have a savior, and she's about to get married. She's kind of expecting to have a baby. It's nice to have the angel come and confirm that. Ready to get the family started. That's great. Verse 32. Now, all that stuff she's learned from the 700-year-old prophecy about what the Savior's going to do and be, 
now the angel's telling, describing her son that way. He will be very great. Well, most moms think their kids are pretty good and will be called the son of the Most High. Well, that's new. A lot of moms, you might call your son something, and it might start with son of, but the Most High isn't often how that's finished. That's what's unique. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. Huh. That's what they've been telling me in school. The, the Savior would be like. That's what we always talk about at church. The Savior will be from King David. We love King ba uh, David from Bethlehem. There's going to be a new King David, even better than King David. Oh, we want a good King David. And Joseph is the distant family line of King David. Now, there's some other stuff in there, too. I don't know if you've ever done the 23 and Me kind of stuff. There's some interesting stuff in there. One of my older brothers did it. And uh, then he called and said, hey, did you know? Oh. My mom was still alive at the time. Dad already passed away, and my mom, and uh, there was some interesting information from her side of the story, from her side of the family. And I said, huh, so what are you going to do with that information? He said, well, I've got an appointment. I'm going to go talk to mom later this afternoon. He's a scientist, so he thought he needed to go tell my mom her grandmother wasn't who she thought she was. I didn't think a 92-year-old needed that information, but, you know, I didn't pay for the test either. In the family line of Joseph was King David. And so that would be part of his son, even though he wasn't directly involved. In the culture, it'd be part of his son. We don't really talk about ancestors so much. My great-grandfather was a tailor in Brooklyn, New York. We don't talk about our ancestors that much. We feel disconnected. Certainly in Tucson, the number of natives of Tucson, Arizona in the room, not many. I won't make both of you raise your hand, but we're disconnected from our family. Not necessarily a good thing, it's just the way it is. Back then, they were cemented in their family. Who your ancestors were mattered. And in the family tree of Jesus, through his dad, Joseph, was King David. Also, some uh, oldest, world's oldest profession people, and uh, more than one murderer. Maybe you can relate. And he will reign over the people of Jacob forever. The kingdom will never end. I don't know if you know, but followers of Jesus, one of the many, many names, people of God, also the people of Jacob. Like, who's this guy? He must be great. Hey, you start reading. January 1st comes around. You start, yeah, I'm going to read the Bible this year. You get to Jacob, and you're like, wow, this really lowers the bar on behavior. Jacob came out, and it, it was just announced. Jacob means liar, schemer. It just, they already knew. He was already fighting with his twin, like in the, in the womb. And it just didn't get much better for Jacob. It took him his entire life. Jacob was famous for wrestling with God. All of us, frankly, need to wrestle with God a bit. But Jacob wrestled with God every step of the way, right up until he was really old. But he didn't lose sight of God. He didn't lose God. He just kept fighting God. Jacob was a mess. And that promise that was in earlier in Genesis that the woman, capital W, will give birth to the baby, capital B, that will become the Savior. That promise was in Jacob's family line, and it got renewed with Jacob. Even though, if we were just going by behavior, he probably didn't seem like he was worth it. But he was not George Washington, who could not tell a lie. He was really good at telling lies. And God, even with Jacob, renewed the promise, and Jacob came around. So then we back to Mary.
Mary remembers telling this story. Mary knows the Old Testament prophecy about the Savior coming, and everybody wants the Savior to come because the Roman Empire is in charge, and they want King David to come and kick out the Roman Empire. We relate to this every election cycle. We want a good one this time. It's what they were really hoping for, thinking kind of small. Well, Mary is telling the story to Luke of what happened, and now it's over to Mary. Mary asked the angel, who's paying for all this? No, she didn't ask that. You know, I'm out of, it, all this would be out of network for me. I'm not on his insurance yet. That's what we would ask because just like them, we think as small as they did. You look back and say, how do you, do you not know Jesus was? The, he was born the way that the prophecy that you knew said was going to happen. He clicked all the boxes. How did you miss Jesus? And the answer is the same way we miss Jesus. We think it's too small and it doesn't look like we think it should. I mean, to Mary's credit, she said, we haven't even discussed what color the, ba- the paint of the baby room will be yet, right? She didn't say that. She asked this. But how can this happen? She said, how? How? I'm not married yet. I'm a virgin. Practical question about mechanics, which the angel answers. But Mary's also, also asking the cultural question, how can that happen? I'm not married yet. I can't be having a baby yet. I've been talking about rules. I've been following them. I'm going to follow them for another year. We sometimes wonder, well, geez, God, if you ever ask God for something, it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. And then only in hindsight do you realize God answered what your prayer was, but it was years later. God, who seems to work really slowly in our lives, God couldn't wait one more year. Another year, the whole thing happens, and Mary and Joseph had a baby. Good for them. They don't have to leave town. But the angel doesn't answer that so much. The how of the mechanics, the baby happens, the angel's about to tell us, about to tell Mary. But what am I going to do in a culture where I'm not supposed to be with child until a year or so after we're married? What do I do with that? And the reason God didn't wait is because Jesus' whole role was to identify with sinners. Have you ever talked to somebody impressive and you're kind of intimidated, but you start talking to them and you realize, wow, we've got some things in common. I, I can identify with you, and they're just a terrific person. That's what Jesus came to do, to identify with sinners. Because I don't know how your morning went. I think mine was pretty good. But I'm not going to make it all day without going off the rails at some point. And to say nothing about God's rules, just my own standards. You see what I'm saying? We have standards of how we should be. We're going to get up and we're going to go to the gym and we're going to read the Bible and we're going to be kind to everybody inside the house and we're going to say hi to the neighbors and we're not going to, you know, yell at anybody or gesture at anybody on the way to work. And, right? and then you wake up and you're already off track. We don't even meet our own standards. Say nothing about God's standards. So to sin is to miss the mark, our own goals, God's lofty goals for us. So Jesus came to identify with sinners. So he's born to a mom who's not married in a culture where that was a no-no. Then he gets baptized. Well, when we do the baptism service here, we're saying, I'm a sinner saved by Jesus, and I want everybody to know this. And uh, you come back up, and everybody applauds. So Jesus got baptized. John the baptizer, his cousin, remember, Elizabeth, 
in her sixth month. Her baby was John the baptizer, Jesus' cousin, whose whole role in life was to grow up and get everybody ready for Jesus. And Jesus comes up when John's baptizing in the Jordan River and says, you baptize me. And John said, I think you're supposed to be baptizing me. You're the Savior. I'm just the announcer. And Jesus said, no, this is how it's supposed to be. John's like, well, okay, seems weird. And down in Jesus went and up Jesus came and the Father from heaven said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And John thought, yeah, why am I baptizing him? Because he's identifying with sinners. So why did God and I just wait another year or two? Waited this long. Because Jesus has to be like us, falling short. Does it mean we're terrible people? No. just means if we were to get into heaven based on merit, Mark Twain said, we would stay out and our dog would go in. We don't earn heaven by being great. We earn heaven by having a relationship with the one who's got the keys and to enjoy that relationship. That's where the rules come in. 700 years. So now, Jesus is being born. Mary says, how? And the angel answers half the question. Verse 35, the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. Now, this is a bit of clever that we miss completely. Because we don't know the Old Testament, and we don't really know the Roman Empire that much. But this was happening during the Roman Empire when the Romans were in charge. Very oppressively in charge. So, Son of God, Son of the Most High comes from several places in the Old Testament, including the book of Daniel, Daniel in the lion's den. The Son of God will be born into this world, identify with us, will die because sin has a death penalty. And if God dies for you, throws, throws, throws himself on the, uh, on the grenade to save us, we still die, but we don't stay dead. It's not just all goes to black. And we know that because Jesus had everything go to black with the Roman Empire. They killed him the very best way they knew how. The only unsuccessful Roman execution in history. It worked until they went to the funeral and there was no body. And Jesus was there just having fun. Easter morning, Jesus is just talking to people. So what are you doing? Well, we, Jesus, do you not know? No, I don't know anything about it. Jesus covering up his hands so he can't see the nail holes. Jesus is just messing with him. I just defeated death. How do you people not know that? Well, we miss it. The Son of God is born here. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Since creation all the way through the eternal relationship we're invited into. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God in three persons. So, Son of God, yes. But it also was about Emperor Augustus. And this one's clever. We miss how clever Jesus can be. So Julius Caesar, even if you uh, weren't paying that much attention in history class, you've heard of Julius Caesar. So in July 44 B.C., there was a great comet in the sky. You can look it up for the name. I'd tell you, but you don't really care. They thought that was a sign that Julius Caesar had just been deified. Because if you remember... 
to Brutus, Julius Caesar had just been stabbed to death, and he was gone. And then there was the great comet in the sky. And then Julius Caesar's marketing people went to work, and they said, that's proof that he's now, the comet is proof that he is now a god, lowercase g, like the other Greek and Roman gods, the constellations. He's now up there. Julius Caesar is a god. So that means his adopted nephew, Augustus, would be the son of God. And Augustus was a very smart person, and he pointed out, look at me, the son of God, I should be in charge. And by all accounts, for a Caesar of Rome, Augustus was probably as good as any of them. And the time stamp for Luke when Jesus is born is during the reign of Caesar Augustus. He wanted the census taken. Verse 36. The angel, what's more, your relative Elizabeth, remember Elizabeth from the beginning, John the baptizer, has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she couldn't have a baby, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month, for the word of God will never fail. So this simple choice we are presented with in life over and over again about obedience. Yes or no? With the God of the universe... The math doesn't work that we just poof. Somewhere there's the God of the universe at work. That's why we're here. And we're going to obey. God, your will be done. Or my way. God, make it happen. When uh, bad things happen, sad things happen, we don't have obedience. When the bad things in life happen, we then realize we don't have a relationship. Well, I prayed for this to happen, and it didn't happen. I prayed for my dad to get healed from cancer, and it didn't happen. I prayed for my baby to, I prayed for my, I prayed, it didn't happen. So if there's a God, I don't like him. And we leave God. Here's a a Christmas thought. You know who we don't have, we famously don't have a relationship with? Santa. We don't have a relationship with Santa. First of all, Santa makes little kids cry, right? Can I get an amen? And what do we want from Santa? Drop off the goods in the middle of the night while we're sleeping and hit the road. Don't wake us up. Can I get an amen? Last year, we woke up, or two years ago, we woke up, and one of the curtains on Christmas morning was broken. Now, coincidentally, coincidentally, It's behind the couch where the little kids in our house aren't supposed to play, but, you know, it's pretty appealing to go behind the couch, and there are long curtains that Mommy likes, so it's draped all the way to the floor, and you can step on them, and theoretically, that could have been a, it could have, it could have happened. But you know who threw Santa right under the bus? The eight-year-old. Santa broke our curtain. (laughs) And the reason we did do that is because we have no relationship with Santa. Our middle child... We were once coming back from Disneyland. We're in Yuma, Arizona. And uh, she, I don't know, what was she, six, seven? She pokes me. Hey, Dad. Santa Claus is sitting over there. Sure enough, we look over. He's got the bald head. He's got the beard. Wearing, you know, fat man sandals because it's the middle of summer. But, uh, but Kate knew. 
She said, can I go over? Sure, I, I, want, I want to see this. Because <laughs> we have no relationship with Santa. So Kate goes over and says, I can tell it's you. This <laughs> and Santa's right, right? He's just taking a vacation in Yuma. Nobody says he can't leave the North Pole. That's all the gifts get delivered. And I thought that my child, having grown up in my house, would have said something like, how's your summer going? No. She just leans in and gives him her Christmas list. Here's what I'm thinking about so you can plan ahead. Because there's no relationship with Santa. That's why the Jesus relationship requires obedience. The whole point of Jesus being born of a virgin in the manger, declared by the angels and worshipped by the wise men and unfortunately for Mary, stinky shepherds, is it's a human relationship. And we get in trouble when we try to treat the God of the universe, the creator of the universe, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, as, as Santa. Here's the checklist. Perform for me. And if, we don't, if you don't come through, then we're mad. That's not a relationship because part of relationship is doing our part. After the service, Eric will come up here and give you the rundown of the, the announcements and the things we can join in on because we want to do this together. And right after church, there's the Bible study, and they're finishing up the book of James. And James famously said, the brother of Jesus, who had Mary as his mother, actual Joseph was the father, Grew up in the house with Jesus, and James famously missed it. Did not get that his older brother was the Savior of the world. Missed it. Until after the resurrection. I think that's what it would take for my brother, frankly. My oldest brother. He would have to die and then not stay dead in order for me to believe he was really anything special even. Now that I think of it, say it out loud. James missed his older brother was the savior of the world. Really? Wow, man, I missed that. And came around and was the leader of the Jerusalem church and wrote the book of James. And James wrote, faith without works is dead because a relationship requires obedience. We get in the Honda minivan and we drive to Austin, Texas every other year to see grandma. And then every other year she comes to our house and doesn't follow the house rules because of relationship. She's actually great. I like her a lot. She does not reciprocate that. But you know what? I have two daughters, and I've already planned to not like their husbands as well. So I understand completely. I don't, I don't fault her. I just wish she'd be nicer to me. But we get in the van, and we drive to Austin, Texas. We've, we've been stranded in the middle of nowhere, Texas. We hit a deer and totaled the minivan. Still, we just keep driving to Texas. And when we get there, well, the rest of the family is actually incredible. It was just my wife's mom and brother who think I'm a moron and are way too vocal about it. But the rest of the family loves me. Why do we do that? Obedience. Because that's what my wife wants. And I want to be in a relationship with my wife. Why did Mary get confronted with the angel? It's like, wait a minute. Just hold off there, angel. I'll be happy to have a baby in two years. Right now I'm engaged. And then there's a time span. Let's do some math here, Angel. 
and then I can have a baby. That'd be great. And the angel said, no, it's going to happen. So Mary has a relationship with the God of the universe. So there's an obedience requirement to have the relationship. So what are you going to do? Mary's telling Luke. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. And we say, typical, baby on the way, and he leaves. That's just great. That's just just how it works. But that's our culture, and she was in her culture, and yet what remains is the obedience part. It is so simple. Jesus was born of a virgin, grew up, did miracles, did incredible teachings, died on a Roman cross for our sins, didn't stay dead so we can have confidence that this life is not all there is. It is so simple, a child can get it. And yet, why do we miss God at work? Because it's not what we expect. Adulting is hard. Mary was confused and disturbed. She didn't say, oh, great. Confused and disturbed. Now, let's just finish here. If we're gonna, I was picturing Mary this week, and she was in the Roman Empire, and I grew up with a bunch of Italians, and I don't know, just the voice of Mary in my head became Italian this week. And I, and I just started picturing Luke. Mary was tough. We had our first kid, and my wife got assigned to bed rest, which is strange. We figured it out. We had a great time, actually. Bed rest was, was delightful as is the, the kid that was born from it. So all that is great. Tamara came over and helped with that one too. Wasn't even a nurse yet. She would just come over, hang out with us. But Mary wasn't on bed rest. She goes to see her cousin Elizabeth. We'll get to it in a minute. It's 100 miles, 100 miles. Nazareth to Bethlehem, the whole Christmas Eve thing we read, 80 miles. What's the opposite of bed rest for a pregnant woman? That was Mary. Mary's tough. So I just picture as Mary is telling the baby stories to Luke and she's how crazy it was, just preposterous. And I just picture Mary with maybe more of an attitude than we usually picture her with because she was a human. I'm going to skip the accent that I've got in my head, but we'll do this. So Mary's talking to Luke, right? So I said to that angel, how's that going to work? I'm not married yet. I've never been married. I just asked the obvious question. And the angel said, the Lord is at work, just like promised, it's happening now. So I told that angel, okay, I am honored. And then I went to see Elizabeth. Remember Elizabeth at the beginning with John? But we think of this suite with the choir music in the back. Peace on earth. The shepherds kneeling by. Have you ever met somebody? Just picture what a shepherd was like. How stinky was that shepherd 2,000 years ago? Hasn't even seen water in months. And now they're around the baby. We would not allow that. Tamara would kick the. Tamara's kind of half Italian. She would kick them right out of the room. You go wash up, put on some clean clothes, young man. You're not going to be in here. There's a baby being born. We, we picture the manger scene. We have our kids every, every year. We bring out the manger, the magnetic manger. It goes on the, the refrigerator, and every day you add a new one to it. And it always starts out really sweet. And then at some point, everything is stacked on top of the house. Or you bring, Mr. Bean style, you bring in some other magnets. All of a sudden, Jesus is dealing with a Star Wars situation. How'd the Legos arrive? I didn't even know there were magnetic Legos. It's not what we expect. But if we will embrace the relationship, we will find 
that the God of the universe is here this Christmas at our house. But it's a real relationship. And some of it is better than we imagined. Let's get right up. Heavenly Father, thanks for being in this place. I pray you've spoken to us in a way we can remember it this week. Not the exact words, but the idea that you are with us, that we get to trust you, that when the bleakness happens, it's health or it's finances or it's for other relationships or whatever it might be, that the God of the universe keeps renewing the promise that you are with us. So if there's anybody here today who doesn't know you, that ABC approach to the relationship, A is to admit that we are sinners and B is to believe that Jesus is the one who makes us worthy of the throne room of God. And C is to, in, to embrace, dare we say, enjoy being a child of God born into this world, the same world Jesus was in. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray. And everybody said, amen.